Hi, my name is Justin, and I'm the executive pastor of Family Life here at GCC. And I just want to let you know that we believe this is your time. This is your time to worship. It's your time to serve. It's your time to grow. And I want to take just a moment to let you know what your next steps are. At the end of every service, we do something called Gen and Five. It's where we take just five minutes to talk about who we are as a church. We also have something called Connect Class, where we go in depth and we talk about the DNAs and the values of who we are. If you want to serve, we have something called Behind the Scenes Tour, where you can do just that. You can go behind the scenes of who we are as a church and find out where your spot is. And finally, we would love to connect with you as you connect with Christ at our Next Steps area. So no matter where you're at, we cannot wait to see you. Awkwardness to end, so we're going to let it happen for you. Welcome to church. Uh, we are excited about these service times. We think God's doing some great stuff. It's exciting to be a part of a church that is uh, connecting people to Jesus. And that has been happening all day today. What a roller coaster ride. And we're starting um, a brand new series. But before I talk about it, I just want to say this. Um, you know, it's the beginning of the year. And there are so many people that uh, kind of like dive into things like church and say, well, I wanna, I wanna, it's the first Sunday of the year. I want to get back in. And uh, if you are visiting with us for the first time and you're diving back in the church, I think that's hard to do. And I want to say, I want to say that's awesome. We believe that this is your time uh, for next step. This is your time to connect with Jesus. This is your time for a breakthrough in your life. And we think God's word and the vehicle of the church and knowing Jesus and Jesus leading you on that journey, this is the vehicle for that. And so uh, welcome this weekend. So glad you're with us. We'd love to get to know you more at our Next Steps area or at Gen and 5 that happens right at the end of the service. And I uh, just want to welcome you guys. We are starting this series called Love Handles. Some of you are like, I hate that name for a series. It's so awkward. Um, it is. Uh, it is. And um, it's because Jesus, however, uh, is known as love. Jesus is love. And the, the world, a lot of times, um, is always putting tough situations in our, in, our, in our path. And Jesus doesn't skirt around it. He's not like, ooh, that's a touchy subject. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to avoid that one. Jesus goes right at tough things, tough subjects. And Jesus handles tough things, just like love handles tough things. And so we have called this series that, um, I, I wanna say this is, this is a safe zone. Um, there's, there's no touching love handles in this service. Okay, that's weird. Don't do it. It's not allowed. Um, I don't even know who came up with that nomenclature. Um, it, it's, it's, really, it's too descriptive for me. Uh, we don't talk about love handles in my house. They're not, they don't exist. The only time that we can, I think you can appropriately talk about love handles will be on babies. Can I get an amen for that? Like babies, like cute, chunky babies. That's, that's the best thing in the world. So as I was going through all of the memes, oh, you see it. It's my favorite meme of 2020. This cute little guy, he says, uh, my New Year's resolutions are to accomplish the goals of 2019 because I should have done them in 2018, because I promised them in 2017, and I planned them in 2016, right? I love this meme, because I get it. I mean, this is the time of year where we're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start that, or I'm gonna stop that. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna quit that. And so one of the first things that, uh, that we feel like God's got in front of us, when we say love handles tough things, uh, we're gonna look at how Jesus handles addiction. Um, as we begin this year, addictions. Addiction is a psychological and physical inability to stop consuming a chemical drug or activity or substance, even though it is causing physical and psychological harm. 
Addiction is a very serious thing. And I, I don't know if you've ever been in this scenario where someone comes to you and they say, you know what, I just really want to bring some truth to you. Normally when people say that to me, I'm like, could you write it in a letter? Could you, could you, I, I'd really rather have that conversation face to face. Just write your thoughts down and send it in. Or if you're ever in the middle of a, a big argument, there's always that moment where things get the most heated in an argument. And someone says, oh yeah, would well, you, you want to know the truth? And my answer to that is always like, no, no, I don't. I definitely don't want to know the truth from you in that way, you know, uh, it, it, it freaks me out. People say they want to have a conversation. They want to bring some truth to me. And then they, it's like they open up a bag of goodies and they put on these gloves. And I, I feel like I'm actually getting ready to have a meeting with like Tommy Two Fingers, right? From the family. I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I want truth in my life, but I don't want truth delivered that way. And then they bring their version of truth out, right? Have you ever had truth administered in, a, in an ugly way, right? I have, I have no problem with truth in my life. Um, I just don't want truth delivered to me as a weapon, right? I don't want someone to weapon up with truth and come after me with truth. And we've probably all been a part of truth weaponized against us. And we don't, we don't like how that feels. I love that the, the Psalms describe God. It says that God leads us to repentance. It doesn't say by, by just his truth, but it says it's his kindness, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Most of us don't need more information to come and repent. We, we really need some kindness. And so Jesus shows up and the world had been used to getting their truth in a fashion like this on the end of a club normally. And you would come and get your truth lumps and it would be a hurtful, painful process. But Jesus shows up and he says, you know what? Um, I'm going to bring you truth in a different way. It's actually described in John chapter one. Listen to this. John 1, 16, it says, and of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus shows up and he says, hey, I've, I've, got, I've got truth for you. You're used to receiving truth, but I'm gonna give you something else that goes with it. I'm gonna give you grace that goes with it. And there's a tension between the two. And this is the way, like all the growth happens in proper tension between both grace and truth. And if you try to use just one of these, try to use just one end, it doesn't work. When someone comes and they're like, hey, I want to bring you truth, there's, there's no tension in that. Sometimes the truth that they give you isn't going to be the transformation experience that you're expecting. Or when someone comes and says, hey, you know what I've got for you? I'm just, I've just got a ton of grace. I've got, you messed up and things aren't going good and you continue to do the same dumb thing over and over again that's destroying you and here's 500 bucks. You know, you know what that's gonna train you to do? You're like, 500 bucks every time we screw up? Let the, let the party, like, do that again. How quick can we do, turn that turnstile? Jesus, Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm gonna put truth and grace together and then the tension between the two, you are going to be able to grow. Neither one apart is beneficial. But both of them working together is something that's very awesome. See, there are some, there's some disturbing statistics on addiction. The American Psychiatric Association says addiction is actually a complex condition. It's a brain disease that is manifested by compulsive abuses despite harmful consequences. It's not, a, it's not a simple thing that we just say, well, stop it. Well, it's, it's a lot more complicated than that. You know that uh, almost 21 million Americans have at least one addiction. 
drug overdose deaths have more than tripled since 1990. I don't have to read you statistics or headlines for you to know that evil increases in the world. John, who wrote about Jesus coming in grace and truth, tells us in the book of Revelation that evil's going to grow. It's not going to diminish. We've seen that. Of the 90% of people who have an addiction of, of drugs or alcohol, they started before they were 18 years old. And it's not just substance abuse. 42.7% of internet users view pornography. Scientists will tell us that uh, chemically, the exact same interaction of chemicals of satisfaction happens in our brains when we view pornography as when someone takes like a hit of crack cocaine. The, the, The same kind of chemical reaction happens and the dopamine is released for both of those things. It's a very addictive thing. The National Council on Sexual Addiction Compulsivity says up to 24 million Americans have a sexual addiction. And it's not just chemical abuse and sexual addictions, but one in 20 people, according to HuffPost, have met the criteria for a very serious food addiction. Maybe some of you are saying right now, this is going to be a great message because he didn't list any of my addictions. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm out on this one. You know, any, anything technically that you, that you can't walk away from is something that owns you. It's something that, that has control in your life. I knew this series was, was coming up um, a couple months ago, and I, I was just thinking, I'm, I'm going to do something crazy to prep for this. And I, I did something that I would not recommend to anyone. I, I decided for four months that I was going to, at the same time, go off of uh, caffeine and sugar together. Woo-hoo-hoo. My wife was like, I'll tell you what, I just want you to eat that piece of cake and be a happy person, Okay. I'm like, can I just hold it and smell it for a while? Uh, there are things that come into our life, and honestly, they can be tough things. And Jesus doesn't skirt around. As a matter of fact, in the book of John, chapter 5, Jesus has an encounter with someone and delivers them from it. He says in John chapter 5, verse 1, it describes the time. It says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. A couple months ago, I was at this very spot. There are some places in Israel that were like, I don't know if that happened there or not. This is one place where uh, the dig is there. It actually exists. If you are on the Temple Mount, just a few paces away from the Temple Mount, about a three to five minute walk, you can go to Bethesda, which is still there. These colonnades are incredible. Matter of fact, at the Jewish Museum, there is a replica of this very thing. The whole Second Temple period, there's a replica of uh, what, what the times looked like when Christ was there. And you can walk and you can see this uh, colonnade that sits just outside the sheep's gate in the, the Arabic quarter. And uh, we're going to roll that video and let you see this. Uh, the camera kind of comes up on this model right there in the middle of the screen. That's the pools, the baths right there. And you can see how close it is to Antonio's Fortress and really the Temple Mount where all the city is centered here around the Temple Mount. That's me, um, trying to smile real big for mama. Um, this is us having a little prayer time.
It's a 500 year old church um, that's there on that site because for 2,000 years, people have understood uh, that this story happened right there. It's a real place, real people are there. Uh, our executive pastor, Pastor Mickey, his mother was on the trip, Paula, and every place we went, Paula started a song. And so that's the one place that I beat her to it, right there. I beat Paula, and it's such beautiful acoustics. It's a real place where Jesus reached out and, and touched a guy, reached out and has this encounter with someone. Here's what happens. Verse five, Jesus has a question for this guy. It says, one who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? This is a big question. This is probably the number one question with addiction. Because if the answer is no, I mean, I guarantee you right now, uh, you're, you're not going to get well. You have to be able to answer that question correctly. Now, this guy had a physical healing need. Addictions and all of the science that, that is behind addiction, all the exploration of addiction would tell you that there's a healing and a restoration process that really needs to happen with true addictions. It's not unlike the, the serious physical circumstances that this guy found himself in. Now, uh, I love that you got a little bit of a bird's eye view of the city there and that, that colonnade scenario that's laid off because what I want you to picture in your mind is a bustling kind of environment. Jerusalem is always busy because of the city that is, but when it's festival time, Rome as an empire invented how to do roads right. They invented how to do travel. Roman citizens could travel very easily throughout the empire. The Jews are scattered all throughout the large Roman empire. So the Jews are all coming back and transportation is easy. That means this city is busy. And in, here's, here's what matters for you right now. In the midst of that busy colonnade and all of the hecticness of people who are just getting off a trip, and before they go to the top of that mountain to offer their sacrifice and worship the Lord, this is the whole reason they came. You can't go up there dirty. You got to get clean. There are pools all around that whole temple mount. These are some of the, the most prestigious and some of the most beautiful and some of the most busy pools. And in that hectic, crazy environment, Jesus reaches out to one person and Jesus sees his addiction. Jesus still does that. Jesus reaches out to you and he sees the things that you're addicted to. He sees you in your story. He sees what it is you're using to try to cope with other pains and he sees you in your addiction. And the question that Jesus has is this, do you want to get better? Do you want to be well? The guy dodges the question. We do this here. Here's his answer to Jesus. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, the, the thinking of that time was this, that there, there's an angel that will come and like stir the waters up. And whenever the, the waters start to bubble and gurgle, that means the waters have been stirred by an angel. And if you are the first person to get in the water, that means that you're gonna be healed. So all of these lame people, blind people, deaf people, people with ailments, they're there. It's a superstition that surrounds us. No doubt these are spring-filled waters. There's got to be some medicinal um, mineral water that's there. I'm sure some people got some relief at time from rheumatoid arthritis or something. But uh, I'm going to tell you what, uh, this guy had a problem and he's thinking, okay, Jesus, okay, man, he, if you don't have a day job and you got nothing going on and you can help me, 
I mean, he's just playing with the cards he's got in his hand. He's like, this guy over here is really quick. So if you could just trip that guy, right? Maybe I could just roll in. Or if you could just stand here and hold me for a while, you see the bubbles happen. You can just throw me in. He's like, he's like working with the, the cards he's got in his deck. He's working with the resources that he has. And his answer to Jesus, when G he, he has no clue the power that God has. Isaiah says that God's ways are above our ways. So the opposite of that would mean our, our, our methods, our resources, our abilities, our power is way below God's. When, when Jesus shows up to him and asks that question, do you want to get well? The proper answer is yes right now, please. Instead, he inserts what his game plan is because that's all he's got. He's like, well, you know, if you want to help me somehow get into the water first, when the water gets stirred, verse eight, Jesus just doesn't have um, an incantation or some magic words um, or some specific instructions that are just um, clear for the context. But Jesus actually has a plan for us and how, how we can es escape addiction. Here's the action, verse eight. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. This isn't just the instructions on technically what this guy has to do to overcome 38 years of not being able to walk. Jesus actually has these things to say to us when he asks the question, do you want to get well? This is a roadmap for us, a prescription on how we can truly overcome addiction. This first one that Jesus says here, get up. You got to know this, addictions grow best in the dark. When an addiction is in the dark, it has its life source to feed it. As soon as addiction is brought into the light and it's named and it's, 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 we're honest about what it is, the, the food source, the momentum, all of the power that is pushing an addiction to grow in our lives is done and dried up and gone. The Compass Health Group has, has a quote on the front of their page that uh, grabbed me in my research for this. It says, our nation's sense of omnipresence and omnipotence. Th these, are, these are two big words. Let me break them down for you. Omnipresence is our ability to be everywhere. Only God is omnipresent. Well, now that we all have cell phones, we can pretty much be anywhere right now. You can know who, how the Eagles are doing in this game, okay, right? You, you can know the score of the Eagles game right now or if the Saints pulled it off, okay, setting in this place by just pulling your phone out. You, you can be almost anywhere. You can know almost anything. And he's, they're saying that our, our nation has a sense of that and it contributes to the denial we have about our addictions, in, including all of our issues that go around our addictions. This is because our addictive belief system holds that we should be impenetrable, that we are not vulnerable at all, and we are perpetually in control of all that is around us. This is unreasonable, and the result is frustration and shame surrounding our perceived failure. There's this disconnect where we feel as a nation, we feel as a people, at this, at this season that you live in, we are alive in a, in a very peculiar time in the history of humanity. It, it wasn't that very long ago that if you wanted to hear music, you would have to go to town on Saturday night. I walk into my living room at home and there are five teenagers on different things. They'll lay on whatever's available. And they all have these little white things in their ears. I call them AirPods. And they're like, they're, they're AirPods, Dad. I'm like, whatever. Okay, they keep changing the names of things. And they're all listening to something completely different. And they can change it. They can be like polka, bluegrass, reggae, like at a touch of a button. Th th this is inconceivable. 
This didn't happen just a few short decades ago. And what is happening is us as humanity and us as a people, what we are exposed to and the on-ramps that are in our lives for addiction is at an all-time high. It has never been higher than it is right now. And when Jesus looks at this guy and he gives him this prescript, he says, you got to get up. Part of us getting up is starting to say for the very first time, I am addicted to this. And this has a power over me. It's not comforting me and I'm not in control of it. But in fact, it is controlling me. And if I don't have it, I start to lose my mind. And the fact is, if that continues, it will only grow. And it will only bring more destruction. And what Jesus said we have to do is we have to get up out of that. And part of getting up out of that is looking at it and seeing it for what it really is. The next thing he said is not just a, a weird piece of information to elaborate the story a little bit, but it's, it's also prescriptive for us. The next thing that Jesus said to him was, you got to pick up your mat. Can you imagine how nasty this mat must have been? This, this mat did not need a makeover. This mat needed burned, okay? This is a nasty, this is, this is all that he had. I would imagine they would pick him up in the morning. They probably carried him on this mat. This was probably the only possession that he had. And uh, you might look at that as like a comfort thing or like a, a, a blanket of comfort that he had around him because it was always with him. It, what it really is is a prison because he could never escape it. Some of us have a mat and when God calls us to get up out of our addiction and says, I want to rescue you from something, I want to carry you from something, what we do is we leave a mat there because in the back of our minds, we know this, that I'm going to go back to that later. And we leave, we leave Facebook pages tagged or we leave relationships open or we leave a Facebook message dialogue going on between someone we shouldn't be having one. And you can fill in the blank of whatever it is that triggers, but we leave a map there because in the deepest part of our hearts, what we intend to do is go back there. Not because it's a comfort or it's our blankie, but because it's a prison and we will lock ourselves back up in it. And Jesus says, don't just get up and acknowledge it, but you pick up your mat because you're not gonna go back there. You're done with it. And it's not in control of you, but you're in control of it. This is actually what the gospel is. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He takes old things and makes them new. Jesus was physically dead and came back to life. When we come to hear who Jesus is and what he has done, and we believe that he is the son of the living God, and we accept him as our personal Lord and Savior, and we make a confession before other people that he is our Lord. Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. The Bible tells us to be obedient to baptism and we are put into a water grave. We identify with the death of Jesus Christ and we come up out of a water grave. We identify with the hope of the resurrection that Jesus had. This is the conversion process. This is a part of being made new and this is what God's calling him to do. The old man of, fle of flesh and sin must die. We call baptisms death. Because there's a death that happens. An old person, an old proclivity, an old way of life, an old future is going to die. And a new future, a new possibility in Christ is going to be born. And Jesus looks at this guy and he says, pick up your mat because you're not coming back to this place ever again. And we continue to go back there because we leave breadcrumbs and we leave a trail and we leave intentions of going back there. And Jesus is like, pick it up. You're done with it. The last thing that he tells this, this man is you got to walk. It, it sounds really simple in the whole thing. Well, he healed a guy that couldn't walk. And so, of course, the healing is that you've got to walk. It makes sense. No, no, I don't know if this guy is 38 years old and he's been um, unable to walk since birth or if he ran around like a crazy kid until he's eight and then something happened. And 
Regardless, he's not walked for 38 years. You ever sit on your foot kind of funny for 10 minutes on the floor and then get up and you're like, I don't know how to walk, right? You're like, you ever, have you ever been hurt and had muscle atrophy in, in a leg and like have to do physical therapy for a few months just after being off of a leg for a few weeks? This is, it is physically impossible for someone not to walk for 38 years and then have the muscles and the ligaments and the endurance to get up and walk around. This is a miracle. What Jesus is telling him is actually, for this guy, walking is a brand new thing. See, an addiction... We walk in the same way. What Jesus is telling him is you've got to walk in a new way. Jesus actually does this. Very interesting part of this whole exchange happens. And I love that we saw that picture. And you can see how close kind of that bathhouse was to the Temple Mound because it comes into play right here. In verse 13, it says this. The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later... Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you're well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. This guy hadn't walked and he had to learn to walk in a new way. For us to have victory over addiction in our lives. We have to walk in a brand new way. I think one of the best ways we can learn to walk in a new way, and this is a great time of year to start it, is to, to fill our hearts full of God's word. God's got brand new ways for us to walk. But if we don't know how to walk, we're gonna walk in the same old ways. I know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting to have a different outcome. You've probably heard that from a coach or a teacher or someone in your household on the way to church tonight, Okay. Jesus says you got to walk new. What a great time of year to, to just start to work your way through the Bible. My, one of my favorite apps um, is the YouVersion Bible app. You can go to Bible.com and get this on your laptop. You can pull it out on your phone. They have got year-long Bible reading plans of every type in the world you can imagine. You, you can hear it from some cool young millennial kid who dresses really awesome. Um, they'll read it to you. You don't even have to read it. You can listen to it. You can hear it from some sage old, you know, you know, person. You, you can, whatever you want, okay? Whatever type of voice you want, they'll read it. And it's not like you're going to get bogged down in Leviticus for two months in March, okay? And get depressed, right? Like it's, They're, they're going to give you some Psalms every day, Proverbs every day, something from the life of Christ. And you can walk through God's word in a year. If you could do one thing with 2020, you want to walk new, like put something new in the tank. I think some of the most beautiful people at our church are helping, helping people walk new. On Friday nights at seven o'clock, we, we have a church service here, actually. Uh, we have an incredible community of people and they're called uh, Celebrate Recovery. And uh, these folks, they're, they're the salt of the earth. Beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And they get together and they eat and there's childcare for kids and they celebrate victories with one another. They mourn loss. They, they, they worship, they have a song service. And uh, they break up into small groups and there's coaches available to walk people through hurts and habits and hangups because it's not some people that have them. You read the statistics, you heard them. We all have one. Happens on Friday nights at seven o'clock. There are so many ways that we can learn to walk new, but Jesus just looks at this guy and he says, you gotta walk in a brand new way. There's so much hope for me in this verse because you know, when you step back from this, you realize this, this guy, he didn't know who Jesus was. 
He wasn't healed because he had some great belief or his worship game was really good. He had the claps right and the sways right, knew all the songs. No, he, didn't, he wasn't healed because he had a great faith in God. He had no clue who Jesus was. And Jesus comes and picks him out of a crowd and says, I know that you've got an issue and I can bring healing into your life. And Jesus heals the guy. The only thing that this guy had a part to do in all of it is he just obeyed when Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat and walk new. Obedience. Whatever addictions we have, they seek to own us. They do not fulfill us and hopelessness will begin to set in. We start to accept our addiction and say we can cope with the growing side effects. We hope that we can contain it. But what worked yesterday to get our fix now takes twice as much because addiction only grows. We start to believe that God can never fix or heal us in that area of our life. Do you want to get well, Jesus says. He doesn't just say it to this guy. He's, he's asking you. The God of all eternity and all of creation at the beginning of 2020, it doesn't matter how long. You're like, I've dealt with this for 38 years. Or I, 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 I was, maybe you think you, you were just born with these inclinations and you can't fight it. Jesus doesn't. He doesn't come to halfway heal people. He comes to fully transform people's lives. Do you have a chain on your life? Do you have a binding that if you were honest with yourself, you would say, yes, I want to be loosed and free of this. Here's what I love about Jesus. He still picks people out of crowds. He still comes to the one and he says, get up, recognize what's happening. Pick up your mat. Destroy the roads that lead back to this place. You're never coming back here again. Pick up that mat and start to walk new. There's an adventure that he longs to take you on. It will be work. There are steps to take. There's, there's work in it, but he will, he will guide you. And you know what? What happens today is actually more incredible than Jesus picking that one guy out of the crowd because Jesus says, if I don't go away, then the Spirit can't come. And when, when the Spirit comes, you will do things greater than me. This is Jesus' own words. And the Spirit of the living God, the Spirit that hovered over the waters of the deep as creation was beginning, that Holy Spirit warrior angel can come to your heart and say, here's something that we've got to deal with. It owns you. And God will lead you. God will guide you. And he, he doesn't come doing it like this. He doesn't come to you ready to whoop up on you and get your truth bumps. It's not who he is. He comes with gentleness, long-suffering, and patience, and kindness. And it's, there's, there's, going to be, there's going to be some truth that's going to be a part of it. But you know what else he brings to the equation? He brings grace. And in the tension of those two things, love handles addiction. If you're looking for some stirring waters, then the Holy Spirit is real. And our God is a God that heals addiction. I'm gonna ask our worship team to come out and, and lead us in this song that says, I'm gonna build my life. This is normally the moment, like when, 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 when we have a, a talk like this about something like this, this is normally the moment in the room where I can almost hear this being just said over the crowd. This phrase, this idea, just make it through this. Just 
this will be over in just a minute. If you just, if you just hold on, this will be over in just a minute. Just don't agree to anything or make any decision. Just get through this last song and get out of here. And I, I want to say that I believe that that is the voice of the enemy. That voice hates you. That voice hates your marriage. That voice hates your children. It hates your joy. It hates your hope. That voice hates your future. And may the voice of the Spirit of the living God, may the truth of Jesus to this guy resound loud in this place. May it hover over your heart and your addiction and your life. And may it be clear that he loves you, that he's got good things for you, and you've got to get up. Part of getting up for some of us is putting something in the light between us and God. You've skirted around and ignored that. That's not a problem. That's not a problem. That's not a problem. Getting up is coming to the Lord and being like, it's a problem. And clearly I can't fix it. I've been medicating with it and it's gotten too big for me to contain. That's what getting up looks like. He'll help you with picking up your mat. His spirit will come and start to speak truth into your life and say, this is a trail that leads back to the mat. We, we picked that up. It's not there. But it starts with getting up. These stairs down here, they're normally just functional for us to get up on stage. That's why they're there. You don't want to see us hop up here. People fall like that. Little stairs. But right now, they're, they're turned into a holy altar before the Lord. Because some of us, we need to get up and we need to come before an altar and we need to go before the Lord and say, I've got this and I can't deal with it. And Jesus, I'm, I'm getting up and I'm coming to you. And I'm asking you to deal with it. As they're singing, some of us don't need to sing this song. We actually need to have this song sung over us. You might not have the energy to sing this song. You just need to hear that building your life up on Jesus is the only way out of where you're at or where you're headed. And you just need to hear that sung over you as you think about the mat you need to pick up and the new way that you need to walk. Father God in heaven, your word is so clear to us. And Jesus, the same way you spoke into this guy's life and changed it, you can do that for us if we'll be willing just to obey. We don't have to have crazy faith or a ton of information or some awesome prayer life. Just in this very moment, we have to have an honest moment with you. We gotta get up and call our addiction what it is and invite you into the process. And so Jesus, would your spirit pour out fresh on us, on our church, so it can pour out on our communities? And would you call us from bondage to freedom? Would you call us out of addiction to adventure with you as we sing, as we pray, as we get up out of our messes? Father God, would you meet with us? It is in your name we pray. Amen. I want to invite you to stand and sing this song.